Good morning. So good to see all of you here. Like all sermons that I've preached, you know, I guess you know, I'm the one that benefited most from it. And the preacher, you know, they normally would spend hours basically just praying through the passage, meditating upon it. And it's no wonder you know, that they benefit from it. And also, you know, we do it in such a way that we just want to get something and make it simple for all of you. Because after all, you know, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be the good news, a simple message. So among the sermons that I've preached, I would say that this one is the most beneficial and transforming so far for me. You know, all of us at one time or another have let down our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Do you agree with me? We call Him Lord, but continue to live our lives as if we are number one, numeral uno. Yeah. We are self-centered, self-reliant, self-dependent, and independent of God. We continue to sin, even habitual sin. We are sorry for it, but continue to keep sinning. We continue to live our life feeling condemned. You know, ashamed knowing that we could have been better than that. You know, and Satan continues to accuse and condemn us. How can we have victory over this? After all, you know, Jesus says that I've come so you could have life and life to the fullness. If you say that's me, I have good news for you. You can have victory over this, like Peter, one of the characters of this story. Today I'll compare two men, Judas and Peter, both disciples of Jesus. Both have let down and betrayed Jesus. However, they have different outcome. One could not bear his guilt and committed suicide. The other was forgiven, restored, and become the rock and leader of the early church. Let's read from Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 onwards. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. And he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystander, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And, a while late, and after a little while, the bystander came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away, and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Judas, and then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind 
and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. This. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. And he went and hung himself. And the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price has been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them to the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Before I start, let's pray. Our Father, we just pray that you will help us to see so that we would not be like Judas, but that we'll be like Peter. That, Father, that we'll be able to live a life of victorious, that we would be transformed to be who you want us to be. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will teach us, you will counsel us, and that, Lord, that your word will remain in our hearts and in our lives. So that, Father, you know, we would be more and more like Jesus day by day. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. So two ordinary men. Actually, in, uh, at JCF, I think quite a few years ago, we did a series on 12 ordinary men. You know, these 12 ordinary men, and Peter and Judas included, they um, basically have ordinary background. But one thing they did was they left everything to follow Jesus. And they followed Jesus for three years. And it's an extraordinary, you know, especially, you know, we have gone through the book of Matthew, right? We have read about the extraordinary miracles that happened. You know, and these two, they witnessed them all. You know, they witnessed the healings of the sick. They saw the coming of the storm. They witnessed the feeding of the five thousands and raising Lazarus from the dead. And they listened to all the great teachings and uh, you know, preaching and uh, teaching from Jesus including the Sermon on the Mount, you know, one of my favorite uh, passages. And most of all, they experienced the love and compassion of Jesus. And these are among the 12 disciples that were the closest to Jesus. You can call them the inner circles. Yeah? Judas and Peter were some of the closest friends of Jesus. And actually, they were also, you know, when Jesus sent them out two by two, they were able to perform, you know, uh, like casting out of demons and healing of the sick. And so they are not ordinary in that sense, you know, uh, followers. Yeah. But, but like everybody else, they have their own weaknesses. So Judas was in charge of the money of the ministry. He would steal money from the treasury. You know, because, because Judas loved money more than anything else, including Jesus. 
Judas was disappointed with Jesus because instead of you know, being able to, to become a king in his kingdom, what did Jesus do? Jesus said that he wants to walk the way to the cross. And there goes Judas' dream. I suppose Judas is like some of, some of the politicians that's happening right now, you know. 2024 is the election. Everybody is looking to see who is the president so that they can get close to, so that maybe they can become a minister. And with that, you know, uh, reputation, power, and money. Yeah. So probably that's what he was looking at too. So if Jesus become a king, he would be, he would have made it, right? But then Jesus chose otherwise. Some commentator actually mentioned that one of the reasons why Jesus, uh, Judas betrayed Jesus is so that he could put Jesus in a position that Jesus would have no other choice but to, you know, to basically say, here am I, I'm the king, you know, and then re- uh, uh, get to become the king of Israel. Yeah. But that was not the case to be. So what about Peter? What's his weakness? Now, Peter has a passionate personalities. He was known to be impulsive. He would talk first, tendency to put what you guys, you know, the English or the American says, put his foot in his mouth. Now, for Asian, I always find that to be a very, <laughs> something that is hard to understand. Yeah. But anyway, that's what they say, put his foot in his mouth. So he believed in his own ability you know, as you will see, Peter is quite a boastful person too. Still, the Lord chose him uh, to continue to mold him into exactly who he wants him to be. Another similarities that they share was the deep regret that for the actions as, as we have read in our passage today. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver by letting the religious leaders know where Jesus is at a particular time, especially the time when he's alone. You see, basically, they, like we read a few weeks ago, they do not want to, to, to arrest Jesus when there's a lot of people around because they're afraid to cause an uproar. So they got Judas to basically tell them, okay, let us know where Jesus is when he's alone. Better still, in the middle of the night so that we could arrest him. And so the reason why they want to arrest him is so that they could put him on trial and so that they can try to get something out of him. So if Jesus says something, then they say, ah, there you said it. You have blasphemed against God. And so they're able to kind of like capture him and then present their case to the people. And for that, they need someone to basically point that out. That's Jesus so that they could arrest him. You know, if we are honest, all of us can also recall a time when we betrayed Jesus over money as well. You know, someone once said that everyone has a price. Is that true? As for Peter, he was so sure of himself. He knew that he loved the Lord and thought that he would be able to stand up for the Lord even when everybody would fall away. That's why he declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Upon that, actually Jesus says to him, 
that you would deny me, uh, that you would deny that you even know me three times before the rooster crows. And after hearing that, Peter boasted. He said, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And guess what happened? Peter went on to deny Jesus. And when he heard the rooster crowed, he realized what he had done. And he went away and whipped bitterly. Again, many of us at one time or another had denied Jesus. For example, we may be worried that people may be offended if we share with them the gospel. So we keep quiet. Even when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do so. And sometimes we kept quiet too and do not defend the Lord's name even when people are speaking badly of our Lord or using his name as a curse. For the betrayer, both Judas and Peter regretted deeply. How did they respond to their betrayer? Just as with Peter, Judas too were in deep remorse. When he realized that Jesus had been condemned to death, he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and said, I have sinned because I betrayed an innocent man. But when they refused to take the money back, he threw them down the temple and went out and hung himself. What a tragic end. However, in the case of Peter, we know that he was restored and went on to lead a great revival as recorded in Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 become believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter also went on to become the key leaders of the early church. So why did they respond so differently to their sin against Jesus? After all, they both regretted and were filled with deep remorse. I believe it has to do with the way they approached their guilt and sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 speaks of godly sorrows and worldly sorrows. Let me read. It says, Godly sorrows brings repentance that leads to salvation and leave no regrets. But worldly sorrows brings death. Again, let me read. Godly sorrows bring repentance that leads to salvation and leave no regrets. But worldly sorrows brings death. So, we, what is the difference between godly sorrows and worldly sorrows? I suppose the big thing is how my sin affects me. So when one is of worldly sorrows, it's all about himself. You know, God is not in the picture. Even the people that they have sinned against are not in the picture. It's all about himself. You know, so they will be thinking about, like, what is the personal loss? And they regret because why? They have lost. Like if somebody sinned and somebody have to go to jail, they'll be regretting, oh no, now I got to go to jail. I got to spend the best years of my life in jail. It'll be all wasted. Yeah. They'll be looking at what is the loss to my reputation. You know, if somebody which is of good standing in society, 
they'll be thinking, oh no, you know, what will people be thinking about me? So as you can see, it's all about themselves. It's all about me. It's all about me. Okay. And they'll be filled with self-pity. You know, oh, you know, look now what has happened. I'm so, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Self-protection. They'll be thinking, how is it that I can protect myself so that this thing will never happen to me again? There may even be self-justification. They'll be saying, if only this person didn't tempt me, I wouldn't be in this situation. Or if somebody committed adultery, they say, if only my wife you know, would have paid attention to me and, and give me the attention that I needed, I wouldn't be in this situation. So it's about self-justification. And then they would make a self-effort how to get out of this situation, how to be better in the future. And then you will also probably see there'll be self-loathing yeah, and self-condemnation. So that is uh, worldly sorrows. Also, they'll be thinking, how would people, how people will be treating me? Yeah, they'll be noticed that, you know, people used to be my friends. Now, how come they are not my friends anymore? And they would feel, you know, again, not sorry for themselves. And they'll probably make short-lived promises. You know, promises like, if I could, I would never find myself in this situation again. Now, I'll protect myself. I'll make sure that nobody knows. I will learn from this mistake and do it in such a way that it will, nobody will be able to catch me. I will not be in this position again. And so for them, it's about what is happening right now. Okay? So if there's no problem, good, right? But so they would try to protect themselves. And you'll find that with worldly sorrows, there'll be no motivation to change. What about godly sorrows? Godly sorrows is, will be how my sin affects my relationship with God. You guys remember Psalms 51 when David, after committing adultery with Bathsheba, he wrote the Psalm, Psalm 53, and it says about how his sin affects his relationship with God. And he grieved because he has grieved the heart of God. He knows that God is grieved he, because he has sinned against God. And he desires to be forgiven, to be restored, and to be cleansed from sin. He also be thinking, how would my sin affect others? Remember, in the case of worldly sorrows, it's all about himself, right? In this case, he'll be thinking, I have sinned against God, and I have sinned against others. And he'll be thinking about eternity with God, not just, you know, the temporal pleasures of sin. Yeah, and what happens is that it will lead to repentance. So that's the difference between worldly sorrows and godly sorrows. And we can see from our text that Judas' sorrow is one of worldly sorrows. It's all about himself. He had made a gross mistake. How can he make it right? What, by returning the money to the chief priest? And when that was rejected, he felt that he needed to do something more. Now, probably an eye-for-an-eye eye perspective that caused him to take his own life as a payment for his sin. 
and for his mistake. It is all by what it is all by his own effort. He need to do things that will make up for his sin. He need to work to remove the guilt. And religious people often do that. They would do penance. They would give to charity. They would give money so that they'll feel better about themselves. And when self-penance and self-atonement did not work, some would turn to suicide to get rid of their guilt. And, you know, I was told uh, this week that increasingly suicide rates among the young people is just going up tremendously. So turning to God in repentance never occurred to do this because God was never in his mind. The sad thing is that even though he has been with Jesus for three years, you know, he still do not know Jesus. Why? Because his motivation is to be around Jesus is by what he can get from Jesus and not because of Jesus himself. You know, the gift over the giver. Regretfully, that's still a very common case today. You know, Jesus never loved Jesus. I mean, Judas never loved Jesus for who he is. In Peter's case, he knew that he has let down his Lord and his friend Jesus Christ. He had grieved Jesus' heart. His desire is to be forgiven and to have his relationship with Jesus restored. He knew that it cannot be done by his own effort and by his own strength. After all, you know, he tried and he failed miserably. You know, denied Jesus not just once, but three times. As such, Peter repented of his sin and turned to God for help. My friend, let me ask you this question. When you sin, is it the sorrow you experience, a godly sorrow? Or a worldly sorrow? Do you turn to God and repent of your sin? Our previous passage states that godly sorrows brings repentance. What is repentance? To repent means to rearrange your entire way of thinking, feeling, and being in order to forsake that which is wrong. Let me repeat that. To repent means to, to rearrange our entire ways of thinking, feeling, and being in order to forsake that which is wrong. That's repentance. So Jesus called both Judas and Peter to repentance. Remember, you know, Jesus, when Judas led the group to arrest Jesus, and when he you know, identified Jesus with a kiss, Jesus called him friends. Yeah. And he's a friend to Jesus. Basically, when Jesus called him friend, basically, basically what Jesus is trying to tell him is that, you are my friend, I love you. you know. Please repent, please don't do this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Judas didn't receive the, the call to repentance from Christ. And he continued, you know, to, to do what he did. 
and betrayed Jesus. In Luke, just before Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, the, the name for, for Peter is Simon. Okay? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brother. Jesus actually told him ahead of time that you would fail, you would betray, you would deny me. But when that happened, repent. I think when Jesus looked at Peter, remember? When Jesus looked at Peter, and when Peter saw Jesus, I think he remembered this. And that's the second time when Jesus you know, basically called Peter to repent. By when Peter has denied Jesus, Jesus looked at him. And when Peter looked at Jesus, he wept and he went away feeling guilty and bitter and wept bitterly. And again, on the first Easter Sunday, after he has risen, Jesus instructed the ladies who first witnessed his resurrection to let Peter know. Yeah, this is what he said. Tell his disciples and Peter. Now, he especially mentioned Peter. He specifically mentioned Peter. Why? Because he wants Peter to know that he is risen. Basically, he's want, he wants Peter to repent so that he could be forgiven. You know, Jesus wants Judas and Peter to repent and to receive his forgiveness. He wants all of us to repent and to receive his forgiveness. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 reads, The Lord is not slow to, sh- to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Yeah, so God wants us to repent. And again, in, check, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. You know, both Judas and Peter were looking for forgiveness. But for them to be forgiven, they need to repent of their sin. So in order to repent, we need to draw near to God and avail ourselves to God. Need to come to God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 37, Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And in 2 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. God said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But the thing is, God cannot forgive us without us first repenting our sin. How do I know that God will forgive me? You know, Jesus continued to the cross despite being betrayed by two of his closest friends. He could have changed his mind. After all, he's God, right? I mean, you know, I'm here, I'm willing to die for you, but look at you guys, you know, I don't think you deserve it. He could have said that. When we have doubt about whether God will forgive us, 
we just need to look to the cross. Jesus died for our sin in order that we have a right standing with God. Even though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You know, Jesus died on the cross for a reason. That is to atone for our sin. He died so that we could be forgiven. He died so that we could be forgiven. If Jesus had not paid the price for our sin, we would have no hope. We would be like Judas. He did not know about God's forgiveness. He tried praying, paying for it himself. He committed suicide because he cannot think of how he can be forgiven. God was not in his mind. He tried to do things his way. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 reads, if, you confess, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is very clear from this passage that if we repent, that is, if we turn from our wicked ways, God will forgive us. It is also quite clear that there is no forgiveness without repentance. God does not forgive unrepentant sinners. Are some sins so heinous that they are unforgivable? I think that's a good question to ask. I know that among us are people who have committed sin that you think is so heinous or despicable that you cannot forgive yourself. You may have climbed to where you are by ruin many lives. You may be a serial fornicator or adulteress. You may be a child or spouse abuser. So the question asked is, can the Lord forgive you? What about Judas? Surely his sin is of a heinous nature, right? I mean, betraying his friend onto death. Would Jesus have forgiven him if he did not commit suicide upon resurrection of the Lord Jesus? I think that's a good question to ask. And I did ask myself this question. I spent a lot of time asking that question. Would Jesus have forgiven him, forgiven Judas, who betrayed him onto, into death? What do you think? You know, my conclusion is that after looking at all the passages and about forgiveness and looking at the cross and meditating upon the cross of Jesus Christ, my conclusion is, yes, I believe that he would be forgiven. Yes, he would have forgive, been forgiven. See, but the sad thing is that, you know, why, uh, why would, maybe I should, I should go back to that first. You know, uh, the, the question is, if, but how, uh, I mean, the thing is, uh, would Jesus have forgiven him yeah, if he did not commit suicide? But upon the resurrection of Jesus, he had turned to God, truly repented of his sin, and asked Jesus for forgiveness. Yeah. If he would have just, you know, maybe say sorry or whatever, I think maybe that's not enough. But if he had, you know, uh, if he would have... Uh, Turn to God. Yeah, I think that repentance is important. If you had turned to God, 
truly repented of his sin and asked Jesus for forgiveness, I would say, yes, Jesus would have forgiven him. But the sad thing is that even after three years with Jesus, his heart was never with Jesus. He was never a true follower of Jesus Christ. You know, some of us, some of you attending here, I have been attending church for years and years and years, but are you a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, there are no sins that are unpardonable if we confess it. Remember 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The work of the cross includes forgiveness of all sins and not just some lesser sins. Now, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, He's proclaiming that it is completed. His work is completed, and this includes all and every sins ever committed. Now, God the Father validated and vindicated that by raising Jesus from the dead. So that's the good news. The good news that all sinners, including those who have committed sin, so utterly gross that they cannot forgive themselves. Jesus said that whoever comes to me, I will not drive away. Yeah, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will not drive away. So there's no sin so heinous that if we repent, truly repent and turn to God and ask Jesus for forgiveness, that he would not forgive us. Another question to ask is, how many times can we repent of the same sin? You know, there are two things to remember here. One is that God's mercy is indeed infinite. God's mercy is infinite. And second is true repentance means forsaking out your sin. True repentance means forsaking your sin. And because of the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ, repentance and forgiveness of our sins are available to everyone, even those who have made the same mistake many times. Praise the Lord, isn't that so? Yeah, that we can have forgiveness for our sins even though we have made mistakes, the same mistakes many times. Because of God's mercy is indeed infinite. Amen. And when he was on earth, Peter asked Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Remember that? And and Peter asked, as many as seven times? And Jesus answered him, 70 times, seven times. 70, 70 times, seven times. The seven numbers is a complete numbers in the Bible. 70 times seven is the number for infinite. So there are no limit to how many times one should forgive and the thing is this, if Jesus instruct his disciples to forgive without limit, would he not himself forgive us if we repent and ask him, regardless of how many times we have sinned? After all, I mean, Jesus himself told Peter, now you should forgive, not just seven times, but seven times, 70 times. Yeah, so... Likewise, I believe that Jesus himself would forgive us if we truly repent 
and ask Him to forgive us. Does that mean that we can keep sinning? The Apostle Paul says, the answer is a definite no. So what determines our attitude towards sin? What determines our response to sin, remorse, repentance, and forgiveness? I wrote there that there are three reasons. One is that, is Jesus our Lord or just a great teacher? Is Jesus our Lord or just a great teacher? A Lord is someone with authority, control, power over others. To say that someone is Lord is to consider that person a master or ruler of some kind. You, know, you notice that Judas never acknowledged Jesus as Lord. During the Last Supper, you know, when Jesus pointed that one of you would betray me, the 11 apostles or disciples says, Is it I, Lord? But in the case of Judas, you look in the Bible, he said, is it I, Rabbi? So he addressed Jesus as a Rabbi. So who Jesus is to us is very important because only God can forgive sin. No teachers can do so, no matter how profound and wise their teaching are. So who is Jesus to you? Is he the Lord of your life? Again, remember, no teachers can forgive sin. Only God, our Creator, can forgive our sin. You need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and not just your teacher. The second question, to, uh, the second factors that affects our response to sin is do we have a loving relationship with the risen Christ? How close are we to Jesus? You know, Judas was always listed, when we read the Bible, among the twelve, he was always listed last. I suppose that's one way, you know, for the gospel writers to indicate that all of them has deep relationship with Jesus, except for Judas. And there was a recorded conversation Judas had with Jesus, and it was a rebuke from the Lord over his greed-motivated remarks to Mary. You remember the case when, you know, uh, this prostitute basically, you know, pour a very valuable, you know, uh, oil or, you know, or perfume over Jesus' feet and washed Jesus' feet. And Judas was the one that rebuked her. And Jesus, uh, you know, basically after that then rebuked uh, uh, Judas. So we can also see about Judas' relationship with Jesus is that when Judas identified Jesus with a kiss, what happened? He did it without any problem. He, he embraced Jesus, gave Jesus a kiss, and there was not recorded any emotion at all. But when Jesus looked at Peter, after Peter has denied Jesus three times, what happened? It was recorded that Peter immediately was filled with shame and wept bitterly. So that speaks about Peter's deep relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we love Jesus because he first loved us. Love for the Lord 
I believe that's what can help us to stop our habitual sin. When we love the Lord so much and know that our sins grieve Him, when we realize it is not just an innocent sin, sin, but a sin against Him, we would not take that habitual sin so lightly anymore. When we realized how much He suffered to redeem us from our sin, sinning would not be that innocent anymore. When we realize that sin enslaves us, but Jesus liberates us, we will stop the power of sin when we love Jesus more than we love sin, even our favorite sin. When we love him more and more, the attractiveness of sin will be less and less. Finally, the third factor that determines our response to sin, remorse, repentance, forgiveness, is the Holy Spirit. When we believe and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to the masters of our life, the Holy Spirit come and dwell in us. The Holy Spirit will testify to how gross our sins are, how righteous and holy is our God, how much His love is for us, that He would die for us. The Holy Spirit will remind us that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. And just as Jesus prayed for, Je- uh, for Peter that his faith may not fail, he's right now praying the same thing for us. I'm so glad that we have the Holy Spirit living in us to comfort us when we sin and to remind us that God still loves us and will continue to love us to counsel us to repent and turn from our evil ways, to advocate and help us to live a life worthy of Jesus' love and salvation. Praise the Lord that He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live an abundant, victorious life. Now, I've been a believer now for 45 years. And earlier on in my Christian walk, I remember... No, I was struggling with a habitual sin. No, I would confess and I would continue sinning. I would confess sin. I would confess and sin against. Confess and sin against. I just couldn't get out of it. I felt trapped. No one actually knows about it. I was able to keep it a secret. But, you know, God sent a dear brother uh, in Christ. Actually, I, didn't, I did not really know him that well. But somehow he came and spoke to me. Basically, he says that God loves me. Something I'm doing is tying me down. My sin is tying me down and dragging me down from closer intimacy with Christ. I need to repent. You know, he spoke in such a loving ways. There was no condemnation. But you know what? The Holy Spirit really convicted me that day. You know, I immediately stopped that habitual sin. On many occasions, the temptation would return. And on a few occasions, I would even be so tempted that I would slip. However, I would get up knowing how much the Lord loves me. Our past failures can be a better scar and serve as a reminder to how much Jesus loves us and how much we have been forgiven. 
Jesus is interceding for us. And as we love him more and more, we would be more and more victorious. I cannot say that I'm completely victorious, but by the grace and power of God, I'm transformed to be more and more like Jesus day by day. Praise the Lord. Right now, I would like us to close our eyes and bow our head. I know that there are some presents here who are harboring sins, habitual sins that have not been confessed. You know, you need to confess and repent of it. Please take this time to ask for forgiveness. Nothing you have done is unforgivable. Even if you have been committing them habitually. Repent and confess your sin. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 we read, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll give us some time to repent and confess our sins. Remember, no sin is too gross or heinous. Free yourself from the condemnation and accusation of Satan. Kneel your sins to the cross of Jesus right now and be set free. And I know that there are those that have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Only one sin that can't be forgiven is on God's list, and that is the sin of rejecting Him and refusing His offers of forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ. That alone is the unforgivable sin because it means you are saying that the Holy Spirit witness about Jesus is a lie. If you have heard the gospel many times, but keep rejecting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is an unforgivable sin because you have not put yourself in a position to receive forgiveness and be cleansed from your sin. You have not availed yourself to be reconciled with God. Jesus himself assures us, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Our God is a compassionate and merciful God. He desires that no one should be lost, but that all should be saved through repentance and personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I appeal to you right now to put that right, right now. If you would like to receive forgiveness for your sin and have peace with God, please raise your hands and we'll pray for you. You know, last Wednesday during our prayer meeting, we spent quite a bit of time basically praying that today, you know, when people hear about forgiveness of their sins and the call to repentance, that they will raise their hands 
and they will be put right. And through putting repentance and personal faith in Jesus, that they would be reconciled to God and have peace with God. So if anyone here who would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we seldom do that at GICF, but I felt this moment that it is important for us to make that call. Anybody? If you like to raise your hands, after that, I'll, I would like to pray for you. Anybody? Anyone? If you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, please do not reject that. Thank you. I see one hand. Anybody else? Last call. Anybody? Okay, let's pray. Our Father, we just thank you, Father. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. That our guilt, which is you know, accusing us can be repented and receive forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that when we look to the cross, we can see your great love for us. Father, we pray that we'll be like Peter. We will know that when we sin, that we have sinned against you, and it's not about ourselves, but it's about you. And that, Lord, I pray, Father, that you know that we would repent and be forgiven so that we could live a life, a life that is victorious and that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we give thanks. Amen.